Yeah, it's been rough. Uh, my friends who don't have air conditioning in their apartments or condos or homes or whatever, man, what did you do? I mean, it was like, it was so hot. And now I feel like it's not as hot, but it's just muggy. You know what I mean? So when the air is on in here, I promise you the air has been on since like 8.30 this morning. Uh, in here, it's just like kind of clammy. You know what I mean? So it's kind of cold, like kind of got the chill off of there, but it's like humid. And anyways, first world problems, you know. Uh, I remember we're, t- we're talking with the worship production team. We meet early in the morning uh, before practice and everything. And uh, I was telling them, I was like, I remember growing up, we didn't have air conditioning. Uh, and so we would go to Kmart and hang out. And you guys are like that, like, hey, we're going to the mall, kids. You can't buy anything, but we're just going to walk around and enjoy the free air conditioning. Or like my neighbor two doors down, uh, when it, you know, the, my friends were, you know, they're, they're kids, you know, so they would always leave the door open like our kids do right now. And they're like, don't, don't let the bought air out. That was what he always said. Don't let the bought air out. So anyways, sounded kind of hillbilly. Anyways, okay. Um, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Really glad you're, glad you're at church. Hey, one thing for next week for our birthday, one of the things... Um, that we like to do on our birthday is give things away. I don't know if you grew up in a house. I did, I, in my household, uh, for my birthday, we had to give things away uh, to all the kids who came, right? And so the, the, your birthday really is a loss leader uh, for the year. But uh, you guys are part of that. So for us as a church, that's what we like to do too. We like to not make it about us and that kind of thing. And so uh, it's about stories and it's about changing lives. And so for our birthday... Uh, we're sponsoring Waymakers. It's a, it's a home here in Tustin. You can Google it and learn more about uh, the cool stuff they do with foster kids, foster youth. And so they need a bunch of toiletries. So if you go on our, our, our um, link tree on our social media profiles, you'll see a link for all the stuff that they need. So please come next week. And I can unashamedly say, don't come empty-handed. If you come empty-handed, you, don't, you still come to church. You know what I mean? Like, don't feel like, well, they're not going to let us in because we didn't bring a you know, toothpaste or something. But um, we'll have a thing out there where you can deposit stuff. But man, fill Please be super generous so we can really bless Waymakers. And so they're doing awesome work. The least thing we can do is kind of put a little wind in their sail. So please do that. And then uh, our, our gift to you is uh, Paletas and Masubi. Uh, so have you guys ever been to Paletas uh, Azteca? Oh, it's like our favorite place. It's so good. If Mike Tiff, if you're watching online, I blame you for that. So uh, bring your gifts next week. Also, you know, one, one of the things that would just bless me, uh, personally, is if you could just shoot us uh, a text or an email or DM us or something like that and tell us a little bit about your story, uh, your story of how God's used this church family to impact your life uh, in any way. I promise we're not going to like post them, you know, without your permission or anything. It would just bless my heart uh, to know how God's working in your life because sometimes all we see is all the problems we need to solve. You know, the, every week I just remind about the carpet that we're really trying to figure out how to get out of here. You know, it's all I see is all the problems and stuff that I need to fix and work through, and I forget that God is changing lives constantly. And so if you could just write in, take 30 seconds, and tell a little bit about your story, it would be really, um, really bless us. So, hey, today uh, we are starting a new series going through the book of Proverbs. It's really creatively called Proverbs. Uh, so uh, that's, I know, we're really... Uh, crack marketing team here at Voice. So uh, we're just going to go work through the book of Proverbs, talk about some of the major themes. And the whole idea is we want to give you a framework for, for a life well-lived, for a life well-lived. Because at the end of the day, I think that's what we all really want. Like when we zoom out on our life, that's what we really want. In the moment, it's not always what you want, right? In the moment, you're like, I, I, I really want to buy this thing that I probably shouldn't buy, 
right, because my spouse is getting mad at me or I, I, I shouldn't put money towards that right now. So in the moment, you, that's, a life well lived may not be what you want. You may just want that thing. But if you zoom out, you actually want financial health, right? You, if you zoom out and look at the macro view of your whole life, you want to have put the money that God's put into your hands towards things that really matter, right? If in, in the moment, you may not want to exercise, but in, if you zoom out, uh, you want to have health. You want to have the energy to play with your kids or your grandkids or your friends. You want to be, be able to be active, right? In the moment, you may want to sleep in instead of going to church or maybe watch online, right? Um, but if you zoom out, you do want to be healthy spiritually. Like you want a thriving relationship with God. In the moment, especially if you're an introvert like me, you don't want to go through to things like small group, right? Like you don't want to go to that kind of stuff because like, that's going to be awkward. They're going to ask me to share and I'm going to meet people I don't really know and go to some stranger's house. So like in the moment, you may not want to go to a small group, but if you zoom out, you want community, right? Like when you zoom out, you want people that know you and, and like you feel seen and you feel known and you feel heard and they still love you even though they know some of the junk in your life, Right? They support you, and you can support them. Because if any, if, if COVID taught us anything, is man, we need community. And some of us have built new habits around not having community, and then you find yourself not having community, right? And so, if you zoom out, it makes sense. But in the moment, you it's not what you necessarily make decisions around. So this whole series, this next eleven weeks, is all about zooming out. It's about zooming out. It's about what does a life well-lived even look like, right? And then each week we're going to zoom in on a specific topic. Topic. Uh, topic is not even a word, I don't think. Maybe it is. We're going to zoom in on a specific topic each week and talk about how to live that out practically. We, we highlighted uh, 11 major buckets, 11 major themes throughout the book of Proverbs, and we're going to work through those one at a time. A life well-lived, just so we're on the same page, is not a perfect life. Right? If you're a perfect person, you're in the wrong group because we're a bunch of imperfect people trying to do the best we can with what we have to follow God and serve Him faithfully. That's, that's what this room is. We're a bunch of changed people that are trying to help people change. Right? So a, a life well lived is not a perfect life. A life well lived is not a regret-free life because we'll all make decisions that, I mean, some of you guys have already made decisions today. Right? I mean, swinging through a drive through like I probably shouldn't have eaten that before church, right? But we all make decisions that we go, ah, I wish, I wish I didn't do that. So it's not about a regret-free life, right? It's not about a pain-free life because you can't control everything. You can't control everyone. There's things that are outside of your influence, outside of your control that will affect you. So it's not a pain-free life. A life well-lived is a life that one, one that God can look down on and say, well done, well done faithful. A life well lived is one that we can look back on and feel satisfied with how we did with the limited amount of finances that we had. A life well lived is one that we can look back on and be satisfied with the limited amount of influence that we had, the limited amount of talents we had, the limited amount of time we had. We all have limitations. So how, we, how are we faithful with those limitations? That's a life well lived. And so like I said, we're going to take the next 11 weeks. When we get done with this series, it'll be December. It'll be the first week in December. Right? And so you'll hopefully have your tree set up and all that kind of stuff, right? But we're going go over those major themes. So today, we're going to kind of take a bird's eye view of what the book of Proverbs is all about. And now, not, we're not going to talk about like all the, it was written on this date by this person, not talking about that. You can Google that. I want us to talk about why it was written. Why it was written. For what purpose? What was God trying to accomplish? Because we all have decisions like we talked about. We all have decisions that we wish we could redo, don't we? I do. We all have decisions we wish we could go back and redo. Loans we wish we never would have gotten. 
People we wish we never would have dated. People we wish we never would have dated a second time. I mean, come on, right? You guys know your stories, right? People, the time we wish we never would have spent doing a certain thing. Things we wish we never would have bought. Situations we wish we never would have gotten into. Friendships we wish we never would have made. Things we wish we never would have said yes to. And as I'm saying that, you're thinking about all the parts of your story. Yup, yup, yup. And we look back at those decisions. It's so clear, isn't it? That's the craziest thing. Hindsight's 2020, right? We look at back some of those decisions and we, we think, how could I be so dumb? How could I be so foolish? How could I be so stupid? It was so obvious. Right? It's obvious when you look back on your life. And the crazy thing is, it's obvious when you look at someone else's life. Some of you guys are like really good at picking out the things that someone else should do differently. Right? You're like an expert. Right? You're not bossy. You're just aggressively helpful. Right? <laughs> So you look at other people's life and you're going, how do you not see what you're doing? Right? You look at other people, you, maybe you follow them on social media or you're, you're close friends with them or they're family members and you feel like you have influence and you can speak into their life or maybe you just say it under your breath because you can't tell them personally or you probably shouldn't, but you're thinking, you probably don't want to do that. You probably don't want to get into that situation. You probably want to go down this path. You probably don't want to make those decisions. Why? Because it's obvious to you. And the funny thing is, there are probably people saying that same stuff to you when you were making those decisions that you wish you could redo. Yet what we wanted to do a lot of times was to follow our heart. And I want to give you a different framework, a different lens to look through to how to navigate decisions in our lives. Because how we spend our time, our money, and navigate relationships eventually sums up our entire lives. And the question that I want us to consider today has the potential to expose what's really going on inside of you. And there are very few questions that actually can do that. There's very few times in our lives, so especially in this culture right now where we're so busy um, being busy and so busy trying to entertain ourselves and keep from being bored— that we really take time to ask ourselves questions to really dig into, like, what's really going on inside of me? Like, what's really going on inside of my heart? And if you ask this question honestly that we're going to talk about, it'll expose what's really going on inside of you. And it has the potential to tell you just how committed you are to what God wants you to do. You can say it, but this question will, will tell you exactly how committed you are to what God wants you to do. Because reality is we are, we're experts. We're experts at hiding behind what society is doing. We're experts at hiding behind current trends. We're experts at hiding behind what, you know, justifying what we want to do based on what's happening around us. We've done this since we were little, right? Kids are saying, man, I want that toy. For me, it was like a, a, the, the He-Man uh, Skeletor, Skele- Skeletor, is that his name? Uh, it sounds dumb when you say it out loud now. It's like, that's such a dumb name, but it was so real back then. But the whole set with Castle Grayskull, remember that? Man, I, I needed it. I didn't want it. I needed it. It was like, it was like food, water, oxygen, Castle Grayskull. Like, it was a necessary thing. And I remember going to my parents, I need this. Like, why? Everybody has it. Like, literally every kid on planet Earth has this, except for me. Right? Everyone. Right? Kids, kids need, a, need a phone. The parents are like, I don't know if you should have a phone at your age. What do they say? Everyone. Everyone. I don't know if it's wise. Yeah, but everyone has it. Mom, like everybody does it. They get a little older. They're teenagers. And they're like, well, you want to go do something or be a part of or go, go to an event or whatever that, 
that the parents were like, I don't know if that's wise. I don't know if you should do that. What do they say? Everyone. Everyone's going to be there. Come on. Right? Everyone's doing it, so I have to, too. Which, you know what's so funny? Parents just, because you're like, that's so my kid. Yeah, but it's so you, too, when you were that age. Right? And what do your parents say? If your parents train anything mine, I don't know if they all go to the same, like, parent training class or something. My parents all, my parents said the same thing my friend's parents said. Well, if all your friends, what? Jump off a bridge, right? You're like, I don't know like, where they even got that from, but they're all in sync, right? If, if all your friends jump off a bridge, are you going to do it too? That's a stupid question. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, right? Depends how much peer pressure. If the person I like is jumping off the bridge, then maybe I'll, right? But so kids do it, teenagers do it. But you know what? Adults do it too. We don't say it out loud because, you know, it sounds kind of dumb, right? Because we're old and sophisticated and mature, Right? So you wouldn't say, I know it's unwise to buy that thing. I know it's unwise to do this. I know it's unwise to be in that relationship or develop this habit in my life, but that's just the way you do things at my company. That's just how all my friends spend their money. That's just, that's, that's just how the guys talk. Right? Yeah, but is it, is it wise? Everybody's doing it. It's just what you do. So I want to give you a different framework. I want to give you a different framework to how to make decisions, how to navigate habits, and how to build those things in your life. And the context is actually in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 15, uh, chapter 5, sorry, there's no 15 chapter of Ephesians. Um, but Ephesians chapter 5 is written by a guy named Paul, uh, who's writing a letter to the church in Ephesus, what's why I call it Ephesians, right? If, we were, if it was written today, it would be like Tustinians or something, right? <laughs> I don't know, but it was because we're in Tustin. Anyways, it doesn't matter when my brain, brain works. Okay, so it's written by Paul. To, uh, Ephesus is a very pagan city. Spiritual city, but pagan city. What's interesting about Ephesus is they had temples uh, with temple prostitutes, right? So what happened is you would go to church in a sense, and one of the ways that you could worship God was to hire a temple prostitute and all the things involved with that, right? So there were some things that God said was wrong, that culture said was fine. There were things that God said was wrong, that culture said was actually pleasing to their God, that culture actually said was beneficial, so what do you do in that context where what you believe, what you believe what God is asking you to do is actually antithetical to what culture is saying is permissible, acceptable, pleasing? What do you do in that context? I know it's never, it never happens today, but it actually happened years ago. So here's what the verse says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. It says, be very careful then how you live. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Careful. Be very careful is this word that is actually means to look out Almost like you're on, on watch duty, right? To look out. The, the, it's the same root words for the English word uh, to sight or for sight or seeing. And what he's saying is you need to look out in front of you, behind you, around you. You need to be careful. Be on the lookout. This is not flippant. So let me show you uh, an example. Well, years ago, we had a dog, amazing dog. Natalie and I disagree on this topic. Uh, we had an amazing dog sent from heaven itself. Uh, his name is Cato. Uh, and if you want to put the, the puppy picture uh, up, this is Cato, right? Angel, angel to me. Uh, so eight weeks old, Cato. Cato because uh, Bruce Lee, Cato, Green Lantern, sidekick. He's my sidekick. Uh, so we had to rehome him because kind of crazy. Well, you'll see. Uh, this is him one month later. You want to show the next picture? Uh, so Cato is, is, is growing uh, like sin in our Anyways, um, So Cato is growing. He's really excited about this, as you can tell. That's little Brooklyn. Uh, and then the next picture. This is nine months old. 
Okay, so this is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, sweet little baby. Uh, that's Kaya, our other one, having a staring contest, apparently. Uh, but you can keep that picture up there because this, this will actually make sense. Cato uh, would eat seven cups of food a day at nine months old. We had to rehome him uh, because when we moved out here to California, uh, you know, shocker, landlords did not want us to have a horse uh, in, the, in the house. <laughs> no, literally, they would ride him around and like a pony around the yard. Yeah, it, it, we, would, we would tie him a harness, uh, like a pulling harness, and attach it to a sled because there was like some white stuff called snow in the Midwest. Uh, and we'd have like kids like would be like on this like toboggan type thing, and he would just pull them around the neighborhood. It was the weirdest, coolest thing. Anyways, Cato would eat seven cups of food a day, uh, which is a lot. Uh, I feel like that's what our current dog eats in like three years. Uh, but uh, seven cups of food a day, an enormous amount of food going in, an enormous amount of X food coming out. Okay, so the reason why you're like, what does this have to do with Proverbs? I'm going somewhere. So he would deposit these um, dog dirt uh, Easter eggs all over the yard, right? Just surprises for us to experience all over uh, the yard. We would pick this up every two or three days, but man, it was just amazing that what, how much he could produce, his little factory producing this stuff. And so at the edge of our yard, about a half acre yard in the backyard, again, different context, Midwest, uh, at, at the edge of the yard was a big play set, right? Uh, we always wanted the house that like our kids come over to our house to hang out, right? So that's kind of what was going on. So kids would always come over to the house uh, and they would, you know, and they would run from the back patio across the yard barefoot uh, to the playset. And so we'd always say, if we saw them running, we'd say, be careful, be careful, be careful, right? Because if you're not careful, if you're not looking, if you're not, be, be very, you can't flippantly just run to the playset, okay? Cato has been around. So you will unintentionally get some stuff between your toes. You know what I mean? Like, this is going to be a process to undo what, you should, trust me, it's a win for you, it's a win for me and my bathtub if you just, like, just be careful, right? So this is always the word picture whenever I see this in Ephesians chapter 5. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Like, be very careful, look out, right? And then Paul goes on, because, <laughs> be careful because the unwise, the unwise people don't consider what's going on around them. This is what Paul is saying. Unwise people don't think about what's in front of them, what's behind them, what's around them. And at the end of the day, if you want to look back at a life well lived, listen in. Don't be a fool. See, God has not called us to live at the level of what is permissible. Of what is permissible. Permissible says, what is the lowest level allowed? Right? God has not called us to live at the level of what is legal, even. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm, hear me, I'm not saying do illegal things. I'm just saying God has not called us to only live at that level as the baseline. Legal says, how close can I get to illegal without it being illegal? Right? Some of you guys are rule followers. You're like, the sign says it. No one's around. I'm still going to do it. Like, you're the kind of person that would, like, stop at a stoplight in the middle of nowhere if no one's around and it's obvious that no one is coming because there's a sign there. Right? And then there's others of us that go, I mean, suggestion? Does it make sense, right? Some of you guys are rule followers, some of you guys are rule breakers. Legal, how close can they get to illegal without it actually being illegal? Third one, moral. How close can they get to immorality without actually being immoral? Some of us, this is how we make our decisions, if we're honest, right? I want to do this thing. Is it illegal? No, check. Is it not permissible? 
No, it's permissible. Check. Is it immoral? No. Check. Then I can do it. Right? And Christians, we uh, actually add another one, don't we? Is there a verse against it? Is there a verse against it? If there isn't a verse against it, we're in the clear. If there is a verse against it, we do a little, little biblical gymnastics and go, well, does it apply today? Right? Because I really want to do it. Hey, I want to give you a different question to ask. Not is it immoral? Is it illegal? Is it permissible? Not ask, is there a verse against it? The question I want us to ask is this. What is the wise thing to do? This is what Proverbs would ask us to ask. What is the wise thing to do? What, what that question does, it gives us margin in our lives. It gives us margin in our lives to so avoid the things that we wish we would have already avoided, right? Because if you would have asked that question years ago, you probably would have made different decisions. What is a wise thing for me to do? And if you begin to ask that question, decisions become a little clearer, doesn't it? Not even necessarily for everybody else, but what's unwise for somebody else may actually be okay for you. And what is okay for somebody else may actually be unwise for you. Next verse, verse 16, he continues, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. The, the context, you can't lean on culture, on society, on your friendship structure. You can't work, you can't lean on your workplace culture to tell you what is a good decision to make. Sometimes they'll lead you in good ways, and sometimes they'll lead you to your worst regrets of your life. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. What God says is wrong, many times culture says is okay. What, what, what God says is wrong, culture says is legal. Sometimes what God says is wrong, culture says is beneficial. Right? Some of you guys, what is normal practice in your career, your industry, what you do, what is normal, what everybody does, you know is not what God wants you to do. There's a way that just everybody does it. There's a way that your group of friends or your people you know, there's a way that they, they navigate relationships. You're going, I don't know if that's... There's a way that they handle marriage, a way that they talk about their spouses. You're going, I don't... It's what they do, but I don't know if that's... There's a way that your group that you hang out with or you're connected to, the way they spend their money, the things that they buy, the things they allocate their resources and their time to, that you're going, that's what everyone does, but I don't know if that's what I should do. And if you go and if you just pick up your feet and go with the currents of culture, most likely you'll end up far from where you actually intended. So if you do things the way pop culture wants you to do, if you do things the way your society, your peer structure only wants you to do, and that's the only, your, your only framework you have, you will not be the kind of person God wants you to be. Nor will you be the kind of person I think you want to be. So the Heavenly Father gives us a different framework. He says for us to make wise decisions. He continues in the last verse we're going to talk about today. Verse 17, it says, Therefore, do not be foolish. Translation, this is a nice way to say it because it's an IV. But another, another translation would say, don't be an idiot. Don't be dumb. Don't be stupid. Understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be dumb. Right? The stuff that we look back on, the decision that we wish we could make, we look back and we go, man, how can I make that decision that was so dumb? What Paul's saying, don't be dumb. Understand what the Lord's will is, which is a really weird thing to say if you think about it. Understand what the Lord's will is. Like I think about Yi back there. He's like, oh my gosh, you're bringing me up. Yi does, uh, throughout the week, he does like surgery. All right, he does surgeries on, on people. Uh, not like plants. Uh, but he does surgery on people. And if I were, if I were to go up to Yi and go, Yi, can you explain to me 
how to do surgery. And he goes, yeah, sure, talk, I'll tell you. First of all, don't be dumb. Uh, just understand it. We're like, cool, thanks, got it, right? I was talking to Johnny this morning, and Johnny's a neurologist. And imagine if I were to go, to go up to Johnny, we're talking about a little bit for a snapshot this morning. And it's fascinating to me because it just doesn't make sense to me at all. Imagine if I go to Johnny and I go, hey, Johnny, explain to me uh, how the nervous system works, uh, how our brain works, and just everything, all the things with the nervous system and the brain. And if you were to say, perfect, yeah, easy, talk, just don't be an idiot, uh, and um, just understand it. Cool, thanks, got it. Yeah, like, it's crystal clear now, right? And what if someone went to Paul and said, Paul, biggest question I have in my life, biggest question I hear all the time, what's God's will? So can you explain God's will to me? Paul here says, don't be dumb. Understand the Lord's will. It's a really weird thing to say. Unless you understand what Paul's trying to say. Here's what I think. I think Paul's saying, you already know what the Lord's will is. You already have the framework to understand enough to make decisions you need to make. If you quit hiding behind, well, everyone else is. Quit hiding behind, but culture says that. Hiding behind, well, every, all my friends what my heart wants to. Paul's saying, if you quit hiding behind all that kind of stuff, you know what you're supposed to, you know what wisdom is telling you to do. Don't ask what is moral, don't ask what is permissible, don't ask what is legal, don't ask if there's a verse against it. Some of the things that we most wish we could change, some of the biggest regrets we have in our life were moral. They were permissible. They were legal. There wasn't a verse against it but it was stupid, right? So the wise question for us to ask is, what's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? And I believe clarity comes when you do that. So let's walk through different scenarios. What's the wise thing to do in your dating relationship if you're dating or thinking about dating? What's the wise thing to do in your dating relationship? Okay, but talk a little, listen. Super hot, man. What's the wise thing to do? Okay, okay. He's not Mr. Right. Can he be Mr. Right now? What's the wise thing to do? Okay. You know, don't you? You know. What's the wise thing to do in your finances right now? But talk, if I do the wise thing in my finances, I'll have to completely overhaul my finances. Well, there you go. There you go. You know what to do. What's the wise thing to do in your spiritual life? If I do the wise thing in my spiritual life, I'll have to totally redo deeply entrenched habits I have now and create new ones. Well, there you go. You know what to do. There's a book years ago, I actually looked up because I thought it came out like recently. It came out like 18 years ago, which is just so weird to me. It's called Best Question Ever. Best, best Question Ever. So it takes this idea and takes it way further. Okay, It encourages the reader to Think about this question. What does the wise thing do in light of three areas? And this is kind of where we're going to really drill in for the rest of the time here. One, your past experiences. Your past experiences. What is the wise thing to do in light of your past experiences? Not someone else's past experiences, yours. What have you experienced? What has been your uh, habits, your uh, mistakes, right? Your weaknesses, your strengths. How were you raised, your family of origin, the culture you grew up around? Second thing, present circumstances. Where are you in right now? The commitments that you've made, your family structure. How Do you have kids? How old are your kids? Are you married, single, dating, 
all of that, your job commitment, your financial reality, all of that are your present circumstances, and then your future hopes and dreams. So what's the wise thing to do in light of your past experiences, your present circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams? So let's walk through a few scenarios. Because these are the questions I get all the time where people want me to be Mr. Answer Man, right? Talk, is it okay for me to go to a brewery? Talk, is it okay for me to have a drink here and there? And they want me to say, thus saith the Lord. He wrote on this stone tablet, thou shalt not drink, or thou shalt be one and done. <laughs> right? Here's, that's, that's a weird thing to ask. Here, here's, how you, here's the framework, okay? What's the wise thing to do in light of your past experiences? Not somebody else's, your past experiences. How your parents navigated alcohol, how you've navigated alcohol, in light of your weaknesses, in light of your inhibitions. You know, people are like, well, just drink responsibly. Okay, you know what? The hard part about drinking responsibly is just the time when you need to start drinking responsibly. You don't care anymore. Okay, so that is a, not a good framework for drinking responsibly. So should I drink? What are your past experiences? What are your present circumstances? What are your future hopes and dreams? And then is it wise? What's the wise thing to do? And for many of you, totally fine. For some of us, you should never have a drink in your hand. You should never be around it. Because of your issues or because of your relationship to someone who has some weaknesses. And the wise thing to do would be, it's not worth it. It's just not that big of a deal, right? So, what should my rules be talking with the internet? Because some of my, you know, friends that are the really godly ones, they have, they don't have, they don't use normal internet browsers. They use really crappy ones that have filters on them and they can't use their phones anymore because it's really a bad experience, but it's godly and Jesus always used internet filters and Paul did too. And it's like, so what, sh what should my rules be with internet filters, right? What's the wise thing to do in life? Your past experiences, yours, nobody else's. I don't care what your friend did, your past experiences. How have you handled freedom on the internet? Honestly. Your present circumstances, where you're at, your commitments, who you're married to, who you're dating or not, your present and your future hopes and dreams, the kind of person you want to be, the kind of relationships you want to have, the kind of culture you want to create in your home. What's the wise thing to do? I think if you ask that, you know, don't you? Like, you know what you should do. Talk about how much should I save? How should I spend my finances? What's the wise thing to do? In, in light of your past experience, how you navigated money, in light of your present circumstances, your present commitments, and your future hopes and dreams, what you want to be able to say that you did with the money that God gave you, your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Should I buy a fancy car? <laughs> What's the wise thing to do? In light of your past experiences and your, how you've dealt with buying nice things, your present circumstances, your future hopes and dreams, as I've walked through this framework with some of my friends, some of my, it becomes very clear that they should not buy a fancy car because it didn't make sense financially or because they'd have to pull from actually being generous to things that really mattered eternally, right? Then there's other friends. I remember one guy <laughs> uh, where he made plenty of money and he drove this old car and he just had a hard time like, <sighs> feeling it's okay to buy anything nice. And I was like, what's your dream car? And so he told me, it was like, it wasn't even, it was that extravagant. It was very nice, but it wasn't extravagant, right? And I was like, well, what, what percentage? I was like, look, that is less than you give to the church every year. 
that is a fraction of what you make in a year. I know that's way less than what you give to other organizations outside. So if you were extremely like not generous around, but you needed to have this nice thing, that's one thing. But get you your car, man. Like you're fine. And I remember, I'll never forget the Sunday. He came up the steps. We were meeting upstairs at the time. He came up the steps and he goes, I got it. I got it. He was so happy. And his next words were, you can use it anytime you want. I'm like, no, I don't trust myself with that car. And then, and then, he, then he felt like he had to explain. He's like, I got a really good deal on it though. I was like, no, no, you don't have to explain. It's okay. I think that was a wise, I think God would want you to have that because you've been faithful. So should I buy that fancy car? I don't know. What's the wise thing to do? Taka, how much should I travel? I have friends that say that they only travel for business once a month or twice a month. Okay, it depends, right? What's the wise thing to do? In light of your past experience with your house and your family and your spouse, what's the wise thing to do? In, in present circumstances, how old are your kids? If they're toddlers or young, you probably should travel less. That would probably, probably be wise if you're at all able to. If they're older and they're teenagers, they probably don't care if you're home or not. You know what I mean? That's probably better for them if you're gone, right? So it all depends. What's the why? And then the, the future hopes and dreams. What do you want to create in your home? Should I date? Okay, so we can go over and over. All these different questions. It's not about, is there a verse against it? Is it permissible? Is it legal? What, talk and tell me what I'm supposed to do. No, no, no. What is a wise thing to do? You already know what you're supposed to do. In light of your past experiences, your present circumstances, your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Because it's, it's, it's so easy to get caught up in, well, well, there's nothing wrong with it. You're right, there isn't. There's no verse against it. You're right. You're right. But it's dumb. It's dumb in light of your past experience. It's super dumb. In light of what you want to create, in light of the, the, the spiritual life you want, the family you want, the financial reality you want, the, in light of the story you want to tell, in light of what you feel a life well lived is, you're going to look back on this moment and the decision you're about to make, and you're going to go, that was so dumb. So, many of the unwise things that we choose not to do, many of the unwise things that we choose not to do will not be immoral, it will not be illegal, there will be no verse against it, but it will be super dumb to do. Right? No one plans. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, no one plans to be a failure. They just don't. No one plans to, to be a failure. No one stands at the altar and says, I cannot wait. One day I'm going to cheat on my spouse and ruin my marriage. I can't wait. No one gives their lives to the Lord saying, I can't wait to throw this all away because of a relationship that won't last. No one ever says that I, I, I can't wait to take my sin so underground and watch it grow in the shadows until it absolutely takes over my life. No one ever says, I can't wait to get so busy fighting for popularity and applause and promotions and more stuff that I completely miss out on what God has me on earth for. No one ever says this stuff. No one ever says that I, I, can't, I, I want to put my relationship with God so far on the back burner that I wake up one day and I think, how did I get so far from God? How did my heart drift? I don't even, I don't even recognize my relationship with God if there even is one anymore. No one plans to get there. No one ever plans to do those things. The thing is we don't plan not to because for so many of us, our framework is as long as it's not illegal and there's not a verse against it, as long as it's not immoral, as long as culture says it's okay, then it's okay, right? And our Heavenly Father says, no, no, no. Come on, man, be careful. Be careful, be intentional. Don't be dumb. Don't be unwise. Live as wise. So a big question again I want us to highlight. I, I want Days like this, I just want to sound like a broken record over and over and over again because I want you to remember it in light of your past experiences, 
in light of your current circumstances, in light of your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? And here's the funny thing about this question. Let me just keep that up there. If you say, talk, I'm afraid. If you're honest, I'm afraid to ask that question. Because it might cause me to change some things. I'm afraid to ask that question because of the changes it might cause me to make. Well, you just discovered something about yourself, didn't you? Remember at the beginning I said, this question has the potential to help you discover what's really going on inside of you. Remember that? I said, this question has the potential to help you see how willing you are to follow God in your life. These are those moments. Because welcome to the fact that there's a loving God who wants to interface with your life, have a personal relationship with you, affecting your personal decisions. See, when you say, we, you know, I have a personal relationship with God, this is what that looks like. A personal relationship with God is not to personally impact an hour and 15 minutes of, you, of your schedule once a week. A personal God wants to impact your personal decisions and help you live a life well lived. Last verse, Proverbs 28, 26, as we go into this series. He who trusts in, the, in his own heart is a fool. He who trusts in his own heart. I'm not saying that your heart will never be good. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, if you trust completely in your own heart, as long as I want it, I get it. And you trust his own heart is an idiot, is dumb, is stupid. You're going to look back and go, ooh, shouldn't have done that. But he who walks wisely will be delivered. So on the, on the opposite token, I'm sure you can look back at your life and you can see decisions that were wise. That you're going, I wanted to go this way. Everyone wanted to go. Everyone was doing that. But I felt a check in my spirit and I was like, I probably should do, this would be the wise thing to do. And if you look back at that season, man, that wise decision you were delivered from a situation that could have gone a very different direction. Financially, relationally, spiritually, right? God's protection. God doesn't want stuff from you. He wants something for you. And this is what that looks like. So this the next 11 weeks. This next 11 weeks, buckle in, lean in. We're going to talk about some things um, that will actually affect your personal life. It's not going to be stuff you're going, oh, that's a good little idea. And I'll put that up on the wall. Hopefully some of this stuff bothers you. Hopefully some of this stuff will go, oh, if that's true and if I'm willing to do that, that's going to change a lot of things about my life. Yes, but at the end of the day, you'll be wiser. I hope you see that wisdom, wisdom is available. Wisdom is available for you. If you're like, I feel like I'm always making dumb decisions, wisdom is available for you. And can I tell you too, you're probably not alone. I'm, I'm with you. Wisdom is available. The second thing is equally true. Wisdom is not automatic. You don't get wisdom because you sing some songs on Sunday mornings. You don't get wisdom because you heard a sermon on Sunday. You get wisdom when you live with wisdom, when you walk daily with wisdom, when you're careful, not as unwise, but as wise. And may we be people as a church that walk carefully with wisdom. And I believe if we do that, if we really lean into this church, then one day we'll look back on a life well lived. And so with that, let me pray for us. And then we'll, we'll sing this together. Okay, God, we just, um, we need you, God. Holy Spirit, you know, Psalm 32, 8 says, I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll counsel and watch over you. And so, God, would you do that for us as a church? Would you do that for us as families, as couples, as individuals? 
Would you guide us? Like we pray so many times, we pray for no guilt, no shame, no condemnation. That is not from you. But God, I pray as a loving Heavenly Father, would you guide us and help us walk with wisdom, God. We as Christians should be the people that should be marked with wisdom. We should be known as people of wisdom. Not just people of impulse. And so, God, we need you. Help us to do that. Help us to learn deep truths that are going to impact our lives over the next 11 weeks. And ultimately, would you help us live a life well lived for your glory, not for this church and definitely not for us, but for you. In Jesus' name, amen.